And the Lord said, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. All right, ladies and gentlemen, everyone out there who's in my listening audience, welcome to the very first ever Legion of Michael podcast. And thank you very much to Roadcaster for that generic introduction music. <laughs> you may say, well, I've heard that before. That's because the, uh, the guy who you're listening to or the gal has the same recording board as me. But uh, there we go. I've, I've got a special guest with me today. He's waiting in the wings ever so patiently. His name is Troy Clopton, and he is the host, one of the hosts, uh, of God and Guns podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Thank you for joining me today, Troy. It's my honor. Yes, indeed. And how, we've known each other, well, going all the way back to the beginning of FRN, isn't it? Yeah, about 2013, I think we first officially met mm. in Houston, maybe. I think it was our first meeting in NRA Houston. Was probably oh. first Talk about a double-edged sword. <laughs> 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 the NRA in Houston. Good, because we got to be with all our friends. Bad, because yep. it was in Houston. Oh. Did you hear that the NRA was thinking about going back there again? I heard they were moving their headquarters to Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah that that rumor is um, that they're gonna that they're filing Chapter Eleven or financial protection and bankruptcy, and they're going to relocate to Texas, which apparently they've been incorporated in New York for a long, long time, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that's one of those moves where I can get behind. I can totally endorse yep. that. I can totally endorse that. But we're not going to talk about the NRA today or guns or whatever. We're going to talk about Legion of Michael. We're going to talk about uh, our faith. We're going to be bold. We are going to be fearless. We are not going to apologize. We're not going to hide. We are not going to attempt to coexist with evil. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Legion of Michael, let me tell you where it came from and why it came. Now, Troy, you, you've been through the Legion of Michael program. Is that not true? Yep, we're through it. It was a great program. Okay, Legion of Michael essentially uh, fomented it. It was created in my brain a couple of years ago when I decided that it was beyond time for me to do a, a church-specific security program. I've been doing, you know, bodyguard work and security work and and training for a long, long time. But what I had never done was a very specific, dedicated church security program, a program that was designed uh, around a house of worship. And so we, uh, with the help of my sons, we created the Legion of Michael program. Uh, we created the Legion of Michael training program. We did it as a distance learning program uh, so that anybody, anywhere, uh, could get involved in it. And we've been doing it now for, for better than a year. We even have our own website. Guess what it's called, Troy? Guess what it's called? Uh, Legion of Michael. Legionofmichael.com. Yes. Yes, give yourself a <laughs> give yourself a gold star. Yes, indeed. Legionofmichael.com is the website. And that's where you can go to find out all about the training. Essentially, as a, somebody who's been a professional bodyguard, uh, and provided security his entire adult life, what I did is I took my experience and I, I coalesced it and I focused it on, okay, let's say this church building, this house of worship is what I have to protect, and these are the people who I have. And a lot of guys out there uh, 
Troy, have you you've been in this game for a long, long time? Have you ever heard people? Well, we don't have a church security team, but but we're allowed to carry our guns to church. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, everybody. Yeah, everyone here is carrying a gun, so we're we're safe. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> that's not going to do it. Yeah, everyone. Well, every, we we can carry guns in church. Our our pastor doesn't mind. Whatever. So we're good to go. Yeah. Did are if you, you don't stop it before it gets in the building? It's almost it's, it's too late. So yeah, that's the that's the thing you can't get in people's minds. They think that once it's in there, they can deal with it. They don't want to deal with the inside of the church because that's not the time to be pulling out guns. Well, did you see the the recent tragedy in Texas again, where the uh, the minister was killed by the uh, the criminal yep. that broke into his church? At and yeah, he shouldn't been clearing the church himself. Yeah. Now, what was unique about that situation was the pastor was armed. Yeah, the arm doesn't do you any good if you're going to train, right? Exactly, and that—that's <laughs> the sad thing about it to me is that the, one of the when I first saw it, I thought, oh, it's one not one of these typical situations. Then I I got into it and I read it a little more. And, turns out that this guy was a wanted felon who had escaped and and eluded the police and in the middle of the night he broke into the church on a Saturday night the pastor and his wife and a couple of other people show up early Sunday morning they find this guy yeah you know, who he was he was in the process of it said he had the the church's bank bag and so forth and uh they confront him with a gun the pastor pulls out a gun and says stop where you are and then it says he was distracted while talking to his wife. Did you see that part, Troy? Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel, yeah, brother? It, <laughs> uh, it just makes you cringe when you think about how many people think they're ready to tackle something like that. You just aren't prepared. Yeah, Don't have the right mindset. We're dealing with legitimate, genuine evil in our world. And... Right. Uh, we, you and I haven't talked about this before, so it's, it's going to be fresh and it's unscripted. Do you believe sure. that one of the problems that we're experiencing in our nation, in our world right now, is stems from the fact that we as Christians have attempted, erroneously, I believe, to coexist with evil? I think that we've been cowered uh, through all the different forms of media, um, movies and everything to be quiet and not speak out against evil to the point where uh, we've been silent so long that we really don't have an effective voice against evil. And people just don't, you know, the lines have become so blurred that uh, you just don't really, people just don't really call it evil anymore. They just allow it to be all that just the way they were or that's the product of their environment. There's evil and it exists and we have to deal with it. That. That right there, thank you for saying that. I, I saw, I was made aware of a, a Washington Post column recently, and I don't want to talk about politics on this, but the, and not that I'm afraid of politics, but that's not my main drive, but essentially a, a professor said that the problem with all these Trumpian conspiracy theorists is that they view the world, I can't remember the phrase he used, he used a, a, an elitist college phrase and then he says well what that means is these people view the world through the prism of right and wrong and in his and he said this on on an interview on television and that was a pejorative he wasn't supporting that he wasn't saying that viewing the world through the prism of right and wrong is good and correct he was saying that that's wrong that it's it's incorrect that if you have this strict good and evil, right and wrong viewpoint, then there's something wrong with you. That- well, I mean, that's part of the, the communist, uh, you know, propaganda that they want to, they want to blur the lines. They want to say that there is no absolutes in that way. If you have no absolutes, then you can be moved and moved and moved until you're put into a cage. But uh, yeah, there is no right and wrong. It's just what you want to do. It's just right. whatever's happening today. Or, yeah. as we know from 1984, it's there is no past, there is no history, everything is the present, and the present is what the state tells you. 
Right. Whatever whatever you're told today is 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 reality and that's it. Doesn't there is no right and wrong. Now, let's talk about I'm sure that you're very familiar with the Archangel Michael. Uh, right. Did you ever watch that movie with Travolta about 20 years ago or so called Michael? Yeah, about 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, 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 and smoking the <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, well, you know, the movie is supposed to be, you know, Travolta is supposed to be the Archangel Michael and it's Hollywood and yada, yada, yada. But mm. my favorite line from that movie is when, when he first meets him and I believe it was when they were having breakfast and one of the reporters, it might've been John Hurt, um, William Hurt or somebody who leaned over to him and said, I thought angels were like nice and and he's like he goes and like cherubs or whatever uh and michael as a travolta looks leans over to him and he says i'm not that kind of angel right. and to me <laughs> yeah that's was, a hollywood angel right yeah that well that was the that was the the only the, the most redeeming part of that movie was because we view everyone views angels as these little chubby cherubs, you know, flying around with their little golden harps, these little chubby cherubs, and they're all cute and they're little angels. Mm -hmm. And you know, we pray that the angels will protect our little babies while they're sleeping, and we we have this vision in our mind of, of these cute little chubby things with with wings, right? But the fact of the matter is, an archangel is a powerful creature, you know. Right. Uh, and Michael is referred to in the book of Daniel twice. And the book of Daniel, I, I don't know how much you, you've spent. I mean, I'm sure you have, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Have you read Daniel lately? Yeah. Do you get chills? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's getting there. Daniel 12 is really chilling, right? And when, when you read the book of Daniel today, and then you look yeah. at our world today, you're like, whew. Right. This wow, uh, he was referred to in the in the book it, of, Go ahead. Yeah, in Daniel uh, twelve, it talks about that uh, Archangel Michael is there to protect the uh, the children of God. That that's his uh, that's his mission. He was sent to protect uh, the people of the of the covenant of Abraham. Yeah, and then as when Jesus came, then we all came under the covenant of Abraham as well by faith. But uh, so our, his, his duty is to go to battle uh, against uh, Satan and against the princes of evil and you know, princes of darkness uh, and uh, demons and, and protect us from those in the uh, spiritual realm. And that is exactly why we people say, well, what you're talking about a church, a security program. Okay, I get that. You know, trained parishioners who have firearms and radios and, you know, some, some training and some G2, and they can, you know, be there to, to help the people in the church. What does that have to do with Michael? Well, in, in the if you read the Bible, and I hope that you guys are, and if you study it, you'll realize, and I would hope that you realize, that one of the reasons that God gave us the Bible was to give us examples of how to behave. Give us examples you know, we as as Americans for years, we've, you know, well, before recently, we would study history. We've studied history of World War II and, and the Civil War and, and of the Revolutionary War. And we, we study history because history gives us examples. History kind of sets the bar for us because every human right. being is struggling. I, I, you know, every human being has their own individual struggles. And if there is no example, if you've, then, then you just feel alone. You feel like you're floundering on a sea and there, there, there's no hope. You know? But when you have examples, when you have biblical examples, and, and they're show, this is how, this is what, well, there's two examples. You know, everybody in the world that you encounter is valuable somehow, right, Troy? Some, uh, yeah, some, I would say some, everyone has a redeeming value. Well, some people that you meet are there to be a good example. And some people that you encounter, you encounter, are there to be an example for what not to do and how not to behave. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, when when I was coming up with this program with the 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 church security program, it it seemed 
very obvious to me that I needed to come up with a strong, powerful, deliberate name. And Michael is the, you know, Gabriel's the messenger. Gabriel's the messenger. When God needs people to know something, when he needed to talk to Mary and so on, uh, and Elizabeth, he he sent Gabriel down. Here's the message, deliver it to the people. And when he needed Satan thrown out of heaven, did you notice that uh, in the Bible, in Revelations, it didn't say when, when Satan turned on God that he didn't send him a memo? And God sent Satan a memo. And said, you can't be here anymore. <laughs> God didn't get all the angels together and say, let's vote. Let's vote Satan out of heaven. Did he? Is that what he did? Not that I can, not that I can remember. Not no. that you can remember? He didn't say, all right, everyone, we're going to get <laughs> together. Him out. And we're going we're gonna to have a vote. And we're going to vote Satan out of heaven. No, he cast him out. And it says, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but they were not strong enough, and they were cast out of heaven. God didn't say, hey, let's sit down and read a chapter of The Purpose Driven Life. He sent Michael the archangel (laughs) to drive him out. And as you said, in Daniel 12, Daniel is the prince, is the great prince who is sent to defend the children of Israel and the people of God. And what, you know, and it it occurred to me, and and you can check me if you think I'm wrong, that that is the perfect example of what we are attempting to do through a dedicated church security program. Right. I mean, Jesus himself said, uh, great love has no man but to lay down his life for a friend. And, of course, he was referring to himself as being that sacrifice. But as believers, we're to do the same thing. We're to be willing to lay down our lives for our friends, for our, our brothers and sisters in our church, and so, and our families, you know, our community. So, we have a higher calling than those that uh, aren't believers. And, and we are. And I say, uh, oh, I'm gonna. Uh, I should have this memorized, but the the verse from Isaiah, when uh, he said. Uh, Give me the verse from Isaiah. It says, who will go? And, and I said, me. Send uh, me. Send me. Uh, I said, yeah. And I, I should have written that down. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Yep. So the Legion of Michael, essentially, not, not everyone can be a protector. Not everyone has the physical capacity or the mental capacity or the, or the ability to stand before between the innocent and evil. Not everyone can do that. Right. We understand that. Right. But what we have to do is we have to look at ourselves. If you are a man or a woman of faith, you need to look in the mirror and say, has God given me that gift? Has he given me the mental capacity and the physical capacity to stand between evil men and the innocent and the guiltless? Now, that answer might be right. no. You might say, well, the answer is, is honest answer is no. I don't I don't have that. But I'm betting that there's a tremendous number of you out there that are listening who could say answer yes. Say, I I do have the talent. I do have the talent to stand between evil and the innocent. Right. And, and everyone can have a role in that as well. I mean, even though you're not physically commanding or, or able to do that having situational awareness, just having your flock uh, trained, you know, the people in your church trained, that, hey, keep your eyes them. Something looks weird, let somebody know. Because, you know, we need as many eyes looking for potential problems. Is, uh, you know, the, the response is, is important, but the ability to recognize it is, is you know, more important, I, I think, in a church security program, I know that with our greeters, you know, a lot of those guys in their seventies, eighties, they're not physically going to be taking someone down. They just shake people's hands and hand them a bulletin, mm-hmm. but they can, they can observe, right. They can see. And so I put radios on those guys so they could say, Hey, I got a guy here. I need you to come check out. And that, you know, that's all they got to say. They don't have to physically deal with that person, but having your team, you know, trained so that they can, you know, it could be all kinds of people in the team, but you've got to have that mindset you're willing to confront someone. Most people don't have that. That's, 
you know, it's that, that defining line in men. Are, are you willing to stand and, and try to stop someone that you fear is going to do harm? Um, and that usually filters out about 85, 90% of the people that apply to be on our security team. It's just, uh, I don't feel, I don't think I could do that. And, you know, it's just a, it's a hard gut check. You got to have that mindset that, hey, I'm willing to take a bullet. I'm willing to stand right in front of whatever comes in. Yeah. They're not coming in here and harming anyone. And so that's an important thing that, you know, you get a, you have to get across having run our security team now for about eight years. Um, you have a lot of people who are, who are willing mentally or willing to say it, willing to step up there, but then they're not willing to actually do the job. They, they shirk from responsibility. And that and that comes, I think, from a lack of faith that they're um, that they're ready to die. You have to have that. You have to have that mindset that I'm ready to die for what I believe in. And if you don't have that, you're useless as a, as a security person. Yeah, and and he's like, well, that's kind of crazy. That's like a suicide mission, man. No, it's it's actually not. But the the issue is, are you focused more on preserving your own life or are you focused more on defending the life of the innocent? And you say, oh, those are the exact same thing, right? Not necessarily. Uh, in Deuteronomy, the Lord said, be strong and courageous. This is actually advice that was given, uh, well, when Joshua was going to take over from Moses. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or in dread of them. That is the enemy. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. That's Deuteronomy 31.6. Now, while you were talking, I went ahead and pulled up. It's Isaiah 6.8. And this is very important. This is a good verse to remember because a lot of people say, well, that's not my job. And unfortunately, where we've fallen in our society is we've fallen into this 911 mentality or this it's someone else's job it's someone else's responsibility it's not mine you know what is not how did they i remember and i'm sure you do do too an america before 911 right and a lot of kids today just assume that it's always existed and ever since they've had telephones they've had 911 right but actually they didn't and I was a, actually a young man. I was in my 20s when the 911 program came to the county in which I was living. Now, they had to fund it, right? They had to tax it. They had to come up with So they had to back, – back in the old days when we actually allowed the citizen to make decisions. <laughs> Remember those old days in right. America when people could actually yeah. vote and it mattered? So, well, they had to come up with a levy. And they had to get people to agree to a, a you know a three million dollar levy or a four million dollar levy or whatever, and so what did they do? They did a campaign. They did the sales campaign, you know, and they sold mm-hmm. the nine one one program to the citizens as the end all be all, as the magic talisman. If you got a you know a sick person or a heart attack or a fire or a police emergency or someone's breaking into your home, all you have to do is three numbers. Because back then, you know, in the old days, remember the old days when we only had to dial seven numbers? Yeah. <laughs> Kids, in the old days in America, you only had to remember seven numbers if people lived around you. You didn't have to remember ten. Uh, but they they sold it to America as just called you know nine one one send and uh, and help is on the way. You say okay, Paul, sure. what's your point? Well, this is what's happened over the last twenty to thirty years is we've gone from people who understood that it was their responsibility to protect themselves and their families until the police could get there to the polar opposite, and now we have politicians standing up at podiums telling us, you don't need guns to own them, to carry them, to have them, because we have 911. And it's not (laughs) your job. It's the job of the police. And we have politicians who portray themselves as leaders 
saying that if you think you're going to carry a gun and you're going to have a gun to defend yourself and your family, you're a vigilante. You're an extremist. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't even think about doing that because we have this 911 program. And you say, Paul, well, how does that deal with church security? Well, what we've got is an entire generation of humans now that have been convinced that self-preservation and protection is not their job. It's not their responsibility. Right. My, our local congressman stood up in front of a podium and said, you don't need to have a gun. That's why we have 911. That's why we have the police. Don't take the what? What do they say? Don't take the law into your own hands. Yeah, you just think <laughs> that you're going to take the law into your own hands. You, you don't have the authority to defend yourself you have to beg for a, for a representative from the government to protect you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So there we are. We go to our church. And, and now, Troy, you're already good to go. You obviously have a good, uh, a good parish, a good church. You've got people who understand. But I know there's a lot of people in my audience right now are saying, yeah, you know, our, our plan, you know, our, our, our your church fathers got together, and the plan is, to everyone have a phone and call 911 if there's anything bad that happens. Okay. Yeah. So, in yeah, you're going you're going to have I mean, when you're dealing with people, you're going to have lots of opinions that don't have any basis in and uh, experience and they have opinions based upon their worldview and is usually all about, about what they've been watching on TV or who they like to vote for. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a problem. I, you know, when you when the rubber meets the road and trying to put a church security program in, it, you're going to butt heads because you have a certain part, uh, part of the church that doesn't see the need for it. You know, those are the your nannies that uh, that don't want to even think about. They want to ignore the, that there is evil. They want to act like it doesn't exist. And by them not doing anything, that 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 fits their their agenda. But then you've got those that want to do something but don't have the knowledge and experience, and so it, it's it's a it's a challenge if you're putting a program in uh, and and the church hasn't had one before uh, to get everybody on the same page as the, the whys and the hows. It's 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 unfortunately it's it's like uh, politics because you have to you have to win over the approval of the people so that you're not always in contention with them and that they are supporting you and are going to utilize you as you need to be used um, and that they're, they're communicating with you. I mean, everybody in a church is part of the church security program uh, if you do it right because you need people who are, have uh, crazy family members that are threatening them. You want them to come to you as a church security guy and say, hey, I've got this cousin that's got some problem or my husband and I are, are split up right now and we're fighting over the kids. If he shows up, you know, make sure he didn't come into the nursery and take my children. Uh, okay. That's all part of security. There's so many layers of security. You can't just, you know, here, here's a seven page paper. Just follow these rules. It's uh, it, it requires everybody to be on board and it, and it takes time. It takes a, a while to build it. And I like that you're really uh, thorough and, and, have all of the layers in your program, the Legion of Michael program, that helps you set those uh, uh, expectations up and helps you get people focused on getting training because so many people want to do something, but they're not trained and not ready for it. So uh, just again, I give you kudos to putting that program together in the amount of time you did. Yeah, one of one of the big. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's so many things in a program that you have to put together, and you know, you're like everybody wants to talk about guns and ammo and holsters, and and that's fine. But you got to talk. There's way more to it than that. You need to talk about communication, oh, yeah. communication tools, right. and you also have to talk about 
communicating with the flock and and how do you exactly. communicate with the pl- flock and how do you come across to the flock how do you come across to 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 you know to nana jones who doesn't understand you know Na- in nana jones's yep. world every you know no one is going to harm you unless you try to harm them first and nana jones believes in her heart that everyone is good you know uh, until some a lunatic walks into a church and starts executing people, then what do you do? Right. You, you can't sit down and read them a chapter of the purpose-driven life. You have to stop them. Someone has to be in the breach. But before you do that, you've got to get Nana Jones and, and you know all the other people back on your side. And and how do we do that? And people say, oh well, you know, a, any good Christian would never actually take a life. Well, that's a fallacy, and we can destroy that fallacy quite easily. There's tons of biblical affirmation uh, that that is incorrect. But when it comes down to it, when you're looking in the mirror or you're dealing with the people who are saying, well, you know, that's not really our job. That's, that's the job of the police, and that's the job of the state, and that's the, you know, it's not our job. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Notice in Isaiah he didn't say, And I said, That's not my job. It's someone else's job. Someone else should do it. It's not my job. That'll make me uncomfortable. It's not my job that will require effort. It's not my job. No. (laughs) And if you really want the hammer to come down, dive into Proverbs. Brother, how many times in Proverbs does Solomon command us to correct evil? And and I'm not sure which version you read. That's why we're where we're at today. Because we have failed. You're right. We have failed to... You know, Solomon, out of 31 Proverbs, probably 28, there's something in there where he said to correct the scoffer, to, you know, provide reproof. And he's telling you, look, when you confront evil, when you come up with wrong-mindedness, wrong-headedness, it's not just a suggestion. You are commanded to correct that behavior. And people right. say, oh, Otherwise, it's not my job. Yeah, if you don't correct it, then you deal with it down the road and, and tenfold, right? You get it, uh, They only get uh, more uh, strengthened in their evil <laughs> the longer that they go without being corrected. That's right. Um, one of the verses that popped up to my mind while you were talking about that was Ezekiel 33, 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, he does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned. The sword comes and takes uh, any one of them. That person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will be required at the watchman's hand. So the watchman has a duty, has a duty to protect, has a duty to watch for evil and to and to blow the horn, right? To let everyone know when there's there's problems coming. And if you don't do that, if you don't stand on that wall and watch, then you are at fault and you are the one that's going to be held accountable. Um I believe that as as men of God that we are called to have a biblical worldview, and a lot of churches they don't teach that anymore. Unfortunately, we have pastors who are teaching theology that does not uh, reflect what the scriptures say, and that you're not calling evil evil. You're not you know you're not uh, separating that evil actions from uh, from people who are trying to be. Holy, not that there are people in the church are holy, but they're in the process of becoming more like Jesus, right? As we yep. worship, as we read the scriptures, as we pray, we become more like that. But we have to be willing to stand on the principles of truth, and the truth is the scripture. And if you don't stand on that, then you don't have any, you know, you're standing on sand, you're not standing on a rock, and you're easily knocked off, you're easily led astray, you're easily put into a cult. Because you don't know the word of God, you don't have the you don't have the mind of God. You have the mind of whatever you've been watching on on TV or YouTube or whatever. You've been gluting your brain with stuff that is not of God, and so you don't you can't do any, and you're and you're afraid because the world teaches you fear. 
The world teaches you that you need someone to protect you, and it's not God. They teach you that the government or that a strong person is the leader, right? But we, as believers, we have to stand firm in the truth, and the truth is the Scripture. If you're not rooted in Scripture, if you don't know the Scripture, you're going to be wishy-washy, and you're not going to be a man of God that is firm, not afraid to die. You're, yeah, that's another thing that you see. What I've seen uh, – and what you're saying, I call those people small C Christians, lowercase c. Yep. You, you know, these populist Christians. He knows. Yeah. Christian in name only. <laughs> yes, exactly. Christian in name only. These churches, they're like, well, we're going to hang out our rainbow flag and we're going to embrace everyone. You know, the church always has embraced everyone, but you don't embrace the sin. When I went to right. Sunday school, I was taught, love the sinner, hate the sin. But what right. we've done is with these so-called churches, these small C churches, and then the lowercase C Christians, is we believe well, we cannot we cannot call that sin out. If we call out that sin, then people won't like us. They, they we we won't be their friends. They won't want to be friends with us because we called out their sin, right. and we are commanded. Or to, they might or they might attack us. Yeah, they might attack us. We're or, commanded. Throughout the, I mean, right. New Testament, Old Testament, you are commanded to confront sin when you see it, not to coexist right. with it, not to say it's okay, you're okay, we're all okay, not to deal in gray matter. It's like this that we mentioned earlier: this this uh, self-appointed genius from some college, this professor saying, "Yeah, it's these people are are mentally unstable because they view the world from the prism of right and wrong." And every day we're under assault. And what I believe that we need to do as a nation is we need to stand up and we need to be bold and we need to be courageous and we need to understand that there is evil in the world. And it, was, uh, it wasn't Kevin Stacy who said it. It was Bollier who said that uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't, ever ex- didn't exist. Right. Yeah, the French philosopher. That is what we're doing right now. We're deluding ourselves, believing that we're believing the populist, the, the, the humanist idea that, well, you know, I mean, no one's actually good. No one's actually bad. There's just varying levels of behavior, and whatever you want to do is whatever you want to do. No. You know, <laughs> there, there is evil in right. this world, and we have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been an effort by you know the education system. A lot of that, you know, through again communist ideals, postmodernism is what we're talking about. Where they're saying that uh, you know there are no real truths, and uh, you need to be skeptical of every uh, established religion. You need to be uh, you need to uh, you know try to tear down every church, try to tear down every uh, claim of knowledge because there's no knowledge except that which you decide is, is real. There's no uh, laws except for those which you decide are real. And so when you have objective reality, objective uh, morality, uh, when truth is not truth anymore, it's just uh, opinion, then that's the delusion that we're seeing. That's that's the war you see in the culture fall apart. And uh, what comes in after this is a strong man in the form of uh, some real oppressive government you know history i mean yeah uh, you're you're a student of history you, you see it over and over again it, it, history always repeats itself uh and, and when people forget history then they are doomed to fall into the same problem that the people before have fell into so well, that's where we find ourselves in this culture now nobody's willing to stand and speak and if they are they're, they're canceled right the cancel culture is is eliminating you and uh, taking you off social media and you're ostracized by all your friends and people who should be supporting you. Christians who be, should be defending you or running and hiding because of fear. And this is where we need affirmation. This is where we need to teach our children. We need to teach each other. That is the purpose of this podcast is so that I can come to this microphone and I can remind you that I can encourage you, that I can show you, look, this is the affirmation. Stop being afraid. We've been told... Right. You can only serve one master. 
Christ told us you were going to serve one master. You either love one and hate the other or cling to one and despise the other. You cannot serve a secularist, a secular state. That's what I was going to say earlier. Right. These, these small C Christians are secular Christians. We're going to change, modify, and alter our church and our church beliefs depending on what the popular culture has to say at that moment in time. That is not Christianity. That is not faith. That is not what we're commanded to do. And any church leader who alters or modifies or ignores the Scripture in order to appease the secularist or the populist or whatever is is a false teacher. They are a false prophet. They are leading you down the, the false path. And when we right. talk about, yeah. you know, when we talk about, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself in the breach. I don't want to get between someone who could hurt me and the innocent. Christ reminded us in Matthew in ten twenty eight, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the Man, one who can Oh, yeah. Yes. Like minds are yeah. excellent. Uh, the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Stop. The Bible actually says 365 times, fear not. The Bible, you know, is what's going to give you that faith that you need to be able to be the man that, that God wants you to be. Good. No, no, you're you're absolutely right, and when we need to encourage each other, that is why it's so important for us to gather together. That is why it is so evil. We have seen evil in this last year, like I've never thought I would see in my country. And I what it, what right. has made me sad, and I will be dealing with this in another episode, is how willing Christians have been to submit to the whims of oh, yeah. Satan to the minions of Satan. Minions of Satan in Michigan who said a church is a dangerous place, but an abortion clinic is safe and essential. That Those are minions of Satan, and that is evil. Pretending yeah. that it's not that, the case people, isn't going to change it. All right, that's people that, that don't have true faith. Those people are, are not putting their faith in God. They're putting their faith in their country and community leaders, uh, whatever the case might be. And they say, well, but Paul, you don't understand. If we go to church, then they will send police officers to arrest us. Really? So you are more afraid of the judgment of the state than you are of the judgment of your Father in heaven. Uh, Going back to Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Why were they thrown into the fiery furnace? Because they refused to worship an idol of the state. Everyone else said, it's no big deal. Just bow down. Worship the golden idol. You've been commanded to. The state has commanded you to bow down and worship that idol. And they said, no. And they're like, all right, we're throwing you in the fiery furnace. Why why was Daniel in the lion's den, man? Because on one hand, you had the state commanding, ordering you to obey and worship the state, to worship the king, to worship man, to worship false idols. Is that no different? Check me if I'm wrong. It's the same thing. When you say, well... It's the same thing. They made a law law just to trap Daniel, uh, specifically. And, uh, and the king signed it because he was uh, full of himself, and then he regretted it after doing it. Yes, he did. And what happened to those men who tried to trap Daniel? After, they got pitched in there. That's right. <laughs> and who sealed the lion's mouth? The angel. The angel, and God sent his Probably. angel down. Who would it be, man? <laughs> who, is, who is God's strong man? Who does he send? The Archangel Michael. That's right. When he needs the hard work, Michael is is, is mentioned, I think, three separate times uh, in Daniel. And then there's one time when he said just, and God sent his angel to seal the the lion's mouth. Who would that be? Right. Who would that be? Right. Yeah, so. Well, Jesus actually made an appearance uh, with the the, the three. uh, In the furnace. In uh, in the, the furnace, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he said it, and, he, and a, a fourth figure which ap- appeared to be the son of God. Whew. How many people remember that? Do you guys remember that? If you don't, shame on you. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and put the cap on this one pretty soon. I truly appreciate you joining me, Troy, uh, for this inaugural episode of the Legion of Michael. You know, the, the purpose behind this is to give you strength to give you encouragement. I know every day you are at war with the populace and the secularists. I know that there are people in your life who will say, why, why, why are you fighting? Just, it's not worth the effort. Just, just wear your mask, hide in your basement, don't go where the state says you're not allowed to go, close your church, lock the doors. It's too dangerous. Do what you're told. You know, I wrote that book a few years ago, The Intolerant Christian, where I detailed, and I, I thought that maybe that uh, after uh, Comrade Barry slipped away uh, un, unconvicted, that unconvicted felon, Comrade Barry, slipped away, that the, that the, the persecution would, would ease up. But the persecution, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to, to give you this horrible, ugly truth, but the persecution of Christians in America is just now ramping up. If you thought the persecution of Christians under Obama was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yep, it's coming. And so I am here. And we've only known about it for 2,000 years. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> and if you read that book, you're like, man, it's almost like the prophet. Oh, I mean, you go to Daniel, you go to Isaiah, you can go to Jeremiah. You read Isaiah, and you're like, Isaiah. oh, man, that dude was spot <laughs> on. It, I mean, it's like he's reading from 2020. Yeah. And it, it's all there for you guys. It's all there. And what we're going to do, my goal with this podcast is to give you encouragement to tell you that you are not alone. There are, remember what, uh, there's, there's gotta be more than 10. <laughs> what did we learn from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? There needs to be more than 10. There needs to be more than 10. <laughs> bless, bless Abraham's heart. He got heart. down to one. Yeah, yeah, bless Abraham's heart. He's like, well, <laughs> well, if there's 50. Oh. And then did you read, I read that today, and he's like, he's, he's bargaining with God, and he's like, forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, but what about if there's 40? <laughs> and, and, and he said, forgive me, what if there's 30? And, and, and God's like, okay, Abraham, if there's 30. Well, what if there's 10? Okay. And he's like, okay, Abraham, that, this is your deal. If there are 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will spare it. And they couldn't come up with 10. But the good news is there are more than 10 in these United States of America. There are more than 50. There are tens of thousands. There are millions of you, and you have been made to believe and feel by the media that you are a lunatic majority, that everyone else is against you, and if you speak the word, if you demonstrate your faith, you'll be ostracized, you'll be cast out, you will not. Our God is stronger than their God. Their God is the Amen. state. They worship the state, and right now, Satan is in full control of Washington, D.C., and the persecution of American Christians and Christians around the world is about to ramp up. And I'm telling you that Paul Markle, I don't even think I introduced myself, but hey, I'm Paul Markle, uh, and uh, is about to ramp up, and I am going to do everything I can while God gives me breath on this earth because he said, who shall I send? And I said, send me. And he also Amen. sent Troy Clopton. Troy Clopton yeah, with Gun, God and Guns Radio, which is on the Firearms Radio Network. You can listen to him every week. If you guys haven't subscribed to that, you really should. If you haven't subscribed to the Legion of Michael podcast yet, well, you probably should do that too. Because my promise to you is I will be here every week as long as I possibly can. There is, if you're interested, you say, okay, Paul, you've kicked me hard enough in my butt. You've given me enough evidence. I will do this. Great. We have a Legion of Michael distance learning program. Go to legionofmichael.com. Troy, did you get the book? Did you get the Legion of Michael book too? 
You're I don't think I've got that yet. What? I thought for sure. I apologize. <laughs> Are you sure? Because, man, I, I thought I I thought that we had signed one and sent it to you. I'm going to have to get with Zach and, and correct that. Yeah, we, well, I did the book because... I may have moved since last time you had my address. Yeah, I, I, I feel in my heart that I told Zach to send you one. But uh, we will make sure that you get one of those books in your hand because it's important. So, okay. The Legion, Michael the Archangel is the example. He is the fearless, bold, courageous warrior who is put in place to defend the faithful and the children of God. And we are going to do the best that we can with what the talents, and I love going back to the parable of talents. I love that. With the talents that God has given us, and if he has given you that talent, it is incumbent upon you it is your responsibility to stand between the innocent and evil. That is what the Legion of Michael is all about. I am your host, Paul Markle. One more time, I'm going to thank Troy, and then we're going to close this show out. I'm going to close this show out, and I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to open a tab on my... <laughs> Troy, you're a professional radio show host. Did you ever have a tab open, and you were all ready to do it? And then you looked down, and it was gone. <laughs> yep. That never happens. I'm going to close the show. Uh, yeah, if anything can go wrong, it did. <laughs> With the warrior's prayer. And it goes a little something like this. Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Until we're together again, brothers and sisters, take care, be strong, and be of good faith. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.